1: The Trumpton Podcast Company proudly presents A Trumpton Christmas Carol by Mike Dix and the spirit of Charles Dickens. Stave One Marley's Ghost Boris Alexander de Piffle Johnson Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Unless, of course, he was on holiday avoiding his responsibilities as the Member of Parliament for Uxbridge. Either way, As far as Rishi Scrooge was concerned, Johnson Marley was absolutely dead. Rishi Scrooge and Johnson Marley had been partners in power for years, you see, until Rishi had stabbed Johnson Marley in the back by revealing he was a greedy, egotistical and dangerous idiot, something the British people had worked out many years before. For Rishi Scrooge was a very greedy fellow himself, and making money for him and his chums always came first, and they decided that it was in their best interest for him to replace Johnson Marley as Prime minister. So here we are. It's Christmas Eve, and here's Rishi Scrooge in his office in Number 10 Downing Street, keeping an eye on his clerk, Charles Cratchit III, who was busy counting Rishi Scrooge's money. Erm, um, one million, two million, three million. Just then, the door burst open, and in stepped Sir Keir Starmer Scrooge, who for the purposes of this tale is Rishi Scrooge's nephew. Merry festive celebratory period, Uncle Rishi, cried Sir Keir. Bah! said Rishi Scrooge. Humbug! Oh, don't be so grumpy, Uncle. If I had my way, any woke tofu-loving anti-growth idiots who won't call Christmas Christmas anymore should be sent to Rwanda, said Scrooge. Well, Merry Christmas then, Uncle. Bah! Christmas is humbug too, said Rishi Scrooge. What have you to be merry about, anyway, nephew? You mean, apart from the opinion polls? Well, I've always seen Christmas as as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of, in the long calendar of the year, when people seem to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as, as if they were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys in dinghies crossing the Channel. Uh, bravo, well said, said Cratchit the Third. Let me hear another sound from you, said Scrooge, and you will be keeping Christmas by losing your situation, Charles Cratchit. Then how will you pay back your late mother's sixteen million pounds of debts for covering up your brother's noncing? And you, Sir Keir, are quite a powerful speaker.' he added, turning to his nephew. I wonder if you don't go into Parliament. Er, nonsense, Uncle. Look, come and dine with us, tomorrow. We're going to have a curry and a a beer night, just like we did with Angela in Durham, chirped Sakir. I'd rather have cake with my old partner and his awful wife, and I've never done that, nor never will, nephew. Good day to you. As Sakir left the office, he let in Mr. Rees-Mogg, who was rattling a collection tin. "'Ah, am I addressing Mr Johnson Marley, sir?' said rees "'You are not. Johnson Marley was my partner, but he is dead to me now, "'and he should be to you, sir,' replied Mr Scrooge. "'Well, I have no doubt that his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner.' "'Ritchie Scrooge shivered at the word liberality, "'partly because he didn't know what it meant, and partly because it sounded awfully woke mr reesmog continued to drone on at this festive season of the year mr scrooge said mr reesmog taking up his tin it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute bankers and hedge fund managers who suffer greatly at the present time many hundreds are in want of common necessities such as butlers and Nannies, since we left the EU. Thousands are in want of common comforts, like foie gras and caviar, sir. Are there no open prisons? asked Rishi Scrooge. Oh, there's plenty of prisons, said Rees-Mogg, laying down the tin. But we all know these chaps never go to prison. And are there no tax havens in the Bahamas for them to live? demanded Scrooge. There are still, returned Rees-Mogg. I wish I could pretend that there were not. Oh, I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course, said Scrooge. I'm very glad to hear it. I have plans to move there myself in 2024. The tax haven in the Bahamas, not the open prison, that is. But, sir... We are raising a fund to provide food, prostitutes and cocaine for these bankers who continue to have their bonuses capped at only 200% of their salaries and I implore you to contribute from your huge personal wealth. Well, I don't make merry myself at Christmas, sir, and I can't afford to make lesser bankers merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. "'Many can't go there, and many would rather die.' "'If they would rather die,' said Scrooge, "'they had better do it, and decrease the surplus population, "'just as Hancock did with the pensioners during Covid. "'Now, good day to you, sir.' Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue his point, Smog left the office. Rishi Scrooge resumed watching Charles Cratchit Third, counting his assets, feeling rather smug about himself. You'll be wanting tomorrow off, I suppose, Cratchit, said Rishi Scrooge, for tomorrow was Christmas Day. Uh, If it's convenient, sir, said Cratchit the third. It is not convenient, Cratchit, but I suppose you must have the day off, at least to make your annual speech that no one's going to listen to. Be in early the next day to make up for it, said Rishi Scrooge, as he buttoned up his coat and left number ten to trudge through the slush to the foggy door of number eleven where he lived in a luxury apartment at our expense. Normally, Rishi Scrooge barely thought about his ex-partner Johnson Marley, so it surprised him as he raised his key to the old door to see the large knocker transform into the bloated face of Johnson Marley. The face was not angry or, or fearsome. In fact, it looked at Rishi Scrooge as Johnson Marley had always done, with puzzlement as to why the waiter from the local Indian restaurant was in his office. Its hair was tousled, purposefully, as if to give the impression that it had just climbed from a lover's window and had fallen into the shrubbery chased by her husband. Rishi Scrooge's blood ran cold, but he opened the door and he walked into number 11, shouting, Bah! Then, Humbug! as he did so. He climbed the staircase to his flat at the top of the building, and after checking under the table, the sofa, and the big screen TV to make sure he was indeed alone, he put on his Armani nightshirt and his Gucci slippers and settled into his chair to watch Strictly. Just as he did so, he heard a terrible clanking noise from the stairs, as if someone or something were dragging heavy chains up them. The sound stopped abruptly at his door with a loud clunk. The colour drained from his face as a ghostly fat blob appeared to be bumbling through his door, chains clanking as it did, and moaning... Upon its coming in, the television blurted out as though it were a guest presenter on Have I Got News For You. I know him! It's Johnson Marley's ghost! it screeched. The ghost, for that is what it seemed to be, was transparent, allowing Rishi Scrooge to see the contents of its bowels, which was not a pretty sight. Its head was wrapped in a bandage tucked under its chin which barely kept its scruffy hair in place and its rotund body had a, a chain wrapped around it that dropped to the floor like a tail. Rishi Scrooge observed that the chain had cash boxes full of roubles, used condoms and PPE contracts attached to it. "'What or who are you?' demanded Rishi Scrooge. Oh, in "'Political life. I, I was your partner, uh, Boris Johnson Marley.' said the gelatinous Bob. Humbug, said Rishi Scrooge. You're more likely to be a figment of my imagination, brought on by an undigested bit of suspicious cheese that Truss left behind, and I ate for my supper. At this, the ghost raised a terrible wha and removed the bandage from its head, allowing its lower jaw to drop to its man boobs, dribbling spittle all down its shirt. Mercy, Boris, now I know it's you, cried Scrooge. Why are you chained so? asked a trembling Rishi Scrooge. I I wear the chains created during my premiership, said the ghost. It is made of the things that mattered to me the most, not duty or, or kindness or compassion, but rubles, condoms and fame. I am doomed to wander the streets of Soho, carrying this burden and unable to touch young women, Johnson Marley wailed. You are forging your own similar chain, Rishi, although there's far less condoms, mainly it's just cash boxes, he went on. Rishi Scrooge looked with horror and fell to his knees. How can I avoid this terrible fate, Johnson Marley, he cried. Well, I'm here to warn you, just as Cleopatra did for for Julius Caesar, that you still have a chance to avoid my fate, Rishi, a chance that I have gained for you in an oven-ready deal that I did with the afterlife, said Johnson Marley. Oh, you were always, always a good friend to me, Boris, said Rishi Scrooge. No, I wasn't, snapped Johnson Marley. I bloody hated you. Nevertheless, thank you for doing such a deal for me. Now, what must I do for my part, inquired Rishi Scrooge. Um, well, you're going to be visited by three by spirits or ghosts, if you like, who will show you terrible things. Rishi Scrooge looked shocked. Is, is is that the oven-ready deal for salvation that you mentioned, Boris? Rishi demanded in a faltering voice. It is, replied the ghost. Well, I, I think I'd, I'd rather not, said Rishi Scrooge. Whoa, I'm afraid I didn't really read the small print, Rishi. Best deal I could do at the time, said the ghost. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path that I tread. And now I've committed to it, so you're doomed to go through with it. "'Expect the first ghost tomorrow when the bell tolls er, uh, oneish. he said, almost apologetically. "'Expect the second at, at the same hour uh, on the next day, and then, and then the third sometime on Thursday or something.' "'What?' "'Couldn't I do them all at once?' asked Ritchie Scrooge. "'No, you can't, you greedy little bastard,' replied the ghost. And with that, the ghost wrapped its jaw back to its head and left through the open window, as if chased by another lover's hung- angry husband.' Rishi Scrooge followed to the window. Desperate in his curiosity, he looked out. The air was filled with phantoms, wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them wore chains just like Marley's ghost. Some, they may well have been guilty governments, were linked together. None of them were free. One wore chains of dead pensioners, face masks and kangaroos' anuses, Richie Scrooge had no idea who that was. The spirits all seemed to be trying to help the poor of Westminster, but due to their transient nature, they couldn't seem to reach a hand out to help. It was either that, or they were trying to steal the wallets from the poor. It was so foggy, Richie Scrooge couldn't tell. He shrugged, closed the window, and went to bed, as the hour was late and he didn't like looking at poor people. As he drifted off to sleep, he muttered, HUMBAC! and closed his eyes. Wondering why his wife wasn't there. You've been listening to Stave 1 of A Trumpton Christmas Carol. Join us tomorrow for Stave 2 and meet the ghost of Christmas past.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.